Shalom. My name is Adam, and I welcome you to the parable of the vineyard. Every day, Yahuwah is waking up a remnant, a group of people who are coming out of deceptions, realizing our walk is to consist of faith and obedience to His righteous commands. Each week, we read through and examine a portion of the Torah, allowing the Spirit of the Most High to guide, teach, and open our eyes and ears to the wondrous matters out of His law. Join us as we seek to be refined by His Word, preparing ourselves for the return of our King of Kings, being faithful and obedient, walking in His way, truth, and life. Shabbat Shalom and welcome back, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream of our Torah portion. This is week 20 and we are in uh, the book of Exodus still. We're going to be reading from chapter 27, verse 9. No, 27, verse 20 through 30, verse 10. Sorry. Uh, and so we're going to be looking at uh, some of the more of the commands. Uh, we're going to be looking at the command for the oil uh, for the lamp. And with that, uh, we're going to be spending quite a bit of time on the um, looking at the wise and the foolish virgins because, uh, as you'll notice, you know, uh, when the very first passage we read, it's commanded for the children of Israel to bring oil for the lamps, and it really makes you think of the the wise and the foolish virgins. You know, the the wise and the foolish both had lamps, but one of them had oil and the other one didn't. So, uh, some of you already may know where we're going to be going with that. Some of you may still be new and may not have ever heard it before. But uh, I think uh, I think that's a really good thing to focus on this week. We'll be talking more about the the priests, their consecration, uh, their garments. Uh, we're talking a little bit about the gemstones and how the gemstones of the priestly breastplates. Uh, relate to the book of Revelation uh, and the gemstones, which are the foundation stones uh, of New Jerusalem. So uh, some pretty cool things to talk about, but um, let's, get started with, uh, let's get started with a quick prayer and uh, get into the Most High's Word. So Heavenly Father, we come before you in Yahusha's name, and we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. We thank you for even giving us the desire to study your word. We know that's a gift from you, and we pray that you never take that away from us. And we pray that you guide us on this walk, that we may neither go to the left or to the right hand of the way, the way that you've paved for us, the way that Messiah Yahusha came and showed us how to walk in spirit and truth. And until that day, we pray to continue to grow and to be found worthy when Messiah Yahusha comes back. Uh, in his name we do pray. Amen. All right, so we will get started with Exodus 27.20. Sorry. Doesn't happen very often, but that's what you get sometimes with a live stream. Okay, so Exodus 27, verse 20. And here we go. So we're not going to go very far until we go into a pretty big... Um, study so oil for the lamp exodus twenty seven twenty, and you shall command 
That's the name of um, this Torah portion, Tetzaveh, you shall command. The children of Yashrael, that they shall bring you pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. So here we see uh, oil, lamp, and for the lamp to burn. <laughs> and so um, let's keep reading. So in the tabernacle of the assembly without the veil, which is before the testimony, Aharon and his sons shall order it from evening to morning before Yahuwah. It shall be a statute forever unto their generations on the behalf of the children of Yashrael. So let's talk about the oil and the lamps. And of course, this is um, this is the wise and the foolish versions revisited. So I've made this into an article. So if you want to come back and read this at any time, I'll, I'll try to make sure I've got this in the... Um, description box and maybe as a pinned comment so i'll actually go ahead and put this in the chat for now okay all right so are you wise or foolish the parable of the wise and foolish virgins have intrigued many for centuries who are the wise who are the foolish mainstream teaching has concluded that the wise are believers in messiah and the foolish are not is this true or is there more to it? We will find out. Certainly, we want to be found on the right side of this division, so let's dig in and let the Word do the defining for us. First, let's read Matthew 25, 1-13, where this parable is found. I will put in bold the words and phrases that needs to be defined by the Word alone, not personal interpretations. I don't know why <laughs> Dave changed this to red. It looks so angry when I highlight now. It's like, Arr. okay, so here's a parable, Matthew 25. Then shall the kingdom of Yahuwah be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept, and at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, uh, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that buy, that sell and buy, for yourselves and while they went to buy the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut afterward came also the other virgins saying Adonai Adonai and that's the very famous passage that we heard Lord Lord open to us but he answered and said Amen I say unto you I know you not watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the son of Adam comes the son of man comes and that was Matthew 25 1 through 13. So let's be ready. So let's define the key terms. This is a parable. As we know, the Messiah, it was even prophesied that he would come speaking parables. And some of the parables, he outright explained them for us to the disciples. Some of them, he didn't. 
And so for some of them, we have to realize that, hey, we've got to understand the word, the whole word, before we can understand exactly what he's saying here. Is he saying, is he, I mean, if we took this at face value, is he saying that, you know, if we don't have like oil lamps, you know, ready with, you know, with a wick that's lit and oil in it, uh, the kerosene or something to keep it lit, we're not going to be accepted in the kingdom? Of course not. He's talking about something deeper. And we have to, we have to reason with one another that, the other virgins called him Lord, called him Adonai. They're like, hey, Adonai, open to us. We, we know you. You know, we're yours. He's like, I don't know you, right? So the foolish virgins are not unbelievers. Unbelievers would not call upon him as Adonai or, or Lord, whatever you want to call it. Um, so these are all believers, but there was a difference between the wise believers and the foolish believers. And so let's define the key terms. So let us define the key terms that make the parable come alive, giving us the true meaning to what Messiah really taught here. And you're going to see this ties into today's Torah portion, which again uh, is the command for the children of Israel that they should bring oil for the light to cause the lamps to burn continually. So let's define the lamps. And you shall make a menorah, seven-branched candlestick of pure gold, of beaten work shall the menorah be made. His shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knobs, and his flowers shall be of the same. So a seven-branched candlestick, right? So notice in many translations, the menorah or candlestick is referred to as a lampstand. So make a lampstand of pure gold. Make a lampstand. You shall make a lampstand. Make a lampstand. Um, so you are that lampstand, that vessel. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And to give it light unto all that are in the house, let your light so shine before men. So you are the candlestick with the light uh, shining forth, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew five fourteen through 16. And let you know that you are the candlestick. The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, or lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks, lampstands, which you sawest, are the seven churches. And as you know, you, you are the church. You are the ecclesia. You are the kahal. You are the assembly. So what's filled in your lamp? For the commandment is a lamp, are the commandments in your heart, right? And the Torah is light. And the reproofs of instruction are the way of life. And so if you were with us in the last couple of Torah portions, it was commanded to the children of Israel that they bring the the oil to go into the light, right? Which this symbolizes you anyways. You're supposed to bring that light, that obedience to, to the, or that oil to let the the light shine forth. And the, the light of the Torah is supposed to be burning within us day and night or night and day. Either one. So let's talk about the oil. Right, this is a, a primitive, uh, or and actually in biblical times, this is or scriptural time. This is uh, an olive press. This is how they press the oil, the oil, to, or the olives to get the oil out. And so this is this comes from today's Torah portion. And you shall command the children of Yisrael that they bring you pure oil, olive beaten for the light, right, to cause the lamps to burn. Always in the tabernacle of the assembly without the veil, which is before the testimony, Aharon and his sons shall order it from evening to morning before Yahuwah. It shall be a statute forever unto their generations on the behalf of the children of Yashorel.
So, well, this verse seems to knit it all together. If the seven-branched lampstands, candlestick, menorah, is symbol is a symbol of us, the Ecclesia Church Assembly, and the oil is what fuels the light to burn continually, keeping in mind that Proverbs 6.23 defined the light as Torah, wouldn't it make sense that the wise virgins had their vessels filled with the oil of obedience? The light of Torah was to burn forever within the hearts of his people for all nations to see. As Messiah Yehusha mentioned a moment ago, remember, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Also, this is an interesting passage to consider as well. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, the virgins love you. So here we have oil and virgins in the same passage. Um, and so that's something to think. That's that song of Solomon 1-3. through one three. So it's no wonder that many of the passages to uncover who the wise are in this parable come from the wisest man to ever live, other than Yahusha, of course. So regardless of Solomon's later fall, he did write these books with the Holy Spirit as his guide, and no doubt about it. And of course, as the scriptures do say, he was the wisest man. So when he wrote these books, he was the wisest man. So as for the name of Yahuwah, we can take it both literally and spiritually. Many in these last days have come to find it an immense blessing to call upon the name of our Father instead of calling upon his titles, God, Lord, etc., so even further, we know that his name can also mean his character, his way, which is revealed all throughout the Torah, writings, prophets, gospels, letters from the apostles, and ultimately the book of Revelation. So quite a bit to be talked about there when it comes to the oil. So buying and selling. So remember, the 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 foolish were instructed to go buy from those that sell. So what does the scripture say about buying and selling? So buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding, Proverbs 23, 23. So if we are to buy the truth, right, it says buy the truth. So what is the truth? Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your Torah is the truth. So we're supposed to buy the Torah. Buy, buy meaning um, bring it in, bring in the, the, the teachings, the doctrines of the Torah. You're supposed to, and that's what Messiah really was talking about when, you know, sell all that you have and, and, uh, forsake all that you have and, and, and follow me, you know, we're going to forsake all the, the teachings of, of this world, all the doctrines of men, uh, sell all that we have and follow him. You know, the, this physically selling all you have, that was for the rich ruler because he was a rich man and he, he coveted his possessions, you know, um, we're not all supposed to, you know, sell everything we have and, you know, go uh, be homeless. That's not what he's saying. Um, so anyways, so the wise virgins had already bought the truth and were ready. The foolish had no oil for the light to shine, so they were properly instructed to go buy it. The wise couldn't sell it themselves as, again, buy the truth and sell it not. It wasn't theirs to sell. The wise... Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Matthew seven twenty four to 25 So, of course, this is Messiah saying, whoever hears his sayings and does them will be likened unto a wise man. And it's such a shame because even modern-day dispensationalism will say that Messiah was Messiah's gospels were Old Testament because it was before the cross, so it doesn't apply to you. It only applies to Jews, and it's such a mess. And so 
uh, unfortunately, they the people that don't hearken to his sayings and don't do the things he said to do will not be likened unto wise people. So whoever obeys what Yahushua has commanded are likened unto the wise. Considering this passage started with therefore, it would be wise of us to review Matthew chapters 5 through 7 to get the full message. So he concluded, like everything he was saying, therefore, whoever does all these sayings of mine, this is a long passage. Uh, this is basically the entire uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7 is this whole scene here. Uh, for time's sake, let's review a small sample. This, this comes right after Yahushua discussed us being the light of the world and to show forth our good works unto all what we just read a few moments ago. So think not that I am come to destroy the Torah or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the Torah till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, shall, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 17 through 19. So, speaking of continuing to speak about wise, the Torah of Yahuwah is perfect. This is from, from David. The Torah of Yahuwah is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of Yahuwah is sure, making wise the simple. So, the Torah makes wise the simple. A wise man will hear and will incre increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb... And the interpretation, the words of the wise, and their dark sayings. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the Torah of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. Proverbs 1, 5-9 through Let your talk be with the wise, and all your communication in the Torah of El Elyon. Sirach, Ecclesiasticus 9.15 a wise man hates not the Torah, but he that is a hypocrite therein is a ship in a storm. A man of understanding trusts in the Torah, and the Torah is faithful unto him as an oracle. Sirach, Ecclesiasticus 33, 2-3. There are at least a hundred more, and it's true, a hundred more we could go over. I would suggest doing a word search for wise. It will confirm more of what is already being revealed. Those that uh, abide in the Torah are wise. The foolish and it's likewise, there's a, hundreds of passages you can read about the foolish. Same thing, do a, do a word search on the, who the foolish are. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Matthew 7, 26 through 27. The wise were considered such as they obeyed the sayings uh, Torah of Elohim, what you'll find with the foolish is the complete opposite. The wise in heart will receive commandments, but a prating fool shall fall. Proverbs 10.8 A wise man fears and departs from evil, but the fool rages and is confident. And we know that uh, we know, depart from evil is to depart from lawlessness, departing from Torahlessness. The sinner shall be left in his foolishness. Both the evil speaker and the proud shall fall thereby. Sirach, Ecclesiasticus 23.8. Now let's go over the term, I never knew you. The words none of us want to hear, this truly brings it all together. Remember, this portion of the parable, the bridegroom came and they that were ready 
That's the whole mission of this ministry is to get myself and you ready for the coming of Messiah Husha. Period. That's it. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Adonai, Adonai, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Amen, I say unto you, I know you not. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not So, uh, I'm sorry, this is, so now let's go to where this came from. And I actually didn't mean to put that part in. But hey, but wait for by their fruits you shall know them. Not everyone that says unto me, Adonai, Adonai, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of Yahuwah, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Adonai, Adonai, have we not prophesied in your name, and in your name have cast out devils, and in your name have done many wonderful works, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you transgressors of the Torah. And this is this part of the Sefer translation. So some translations will render the end of that passage as ye workers of iniquity. Uh, upon investigation of the Greek, iniquity is the word anomia. Here's the definition. And uh, it is the condition of without law because of either ignorant of it or because of violating it. Contempt and violation of law, iniquity, wickedness. This is lawlessness. This is not keeping the, the Torah of the Most High. So here we see, and here this confirms for us, this I never knew you, this came, he said this to people that said that, hey, you know, didn't I cast out devils? Didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I do many for wonderful works in your name? And he says, get away from me. You break the Torah. I don't know you. So with all these terms properly identified, let us read the parable of the wise and the foolish one more time. Then shall the kingdom of Yahuwah be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Their light wasn't shining. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. And afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Adonai, Adonai, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Amen, I say unto you, I know you not. Watch ye therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man comes. So can we conclude that the foolish are unbelievers? Not so. They called upon him as Adonai, Lord, just as the wise did, but the difference was obedience. We're going to finish with this. Yea, a man say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. You believe that there is one Elohim. You do well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Yitzchak his son upon the altar? Do you see how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed Elohim, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of Elohim. You see how then by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, 
so faith without works is dead also. James 2, 18 through 26. So will you be wise or foolish? Will your lamp be filled with the oil, obedience, to make your light, your good works of the Torah shine before all men, that your Father in heaven be glorified? Will the bridegroom open the gate for you, gaining entrance into the kingdom of heaven, or will you be shut out? Open ye the gates, and let the righteous nation enter, which have kept the Torah with a perfect heart. In a perfect heart they shall preserve peace. Peace shall be wrought for them, because they have trusted in thy word. Trust ye in the word of Yahuwah forever and ever. Thus ye shall be saved by the word, who is the fear of Yahuwah, the mighty one to eternity. Isaiah 26, 1-4, Aramaic Targums. So, nice little rabbit trail. So we're back, and so let's read this one more time. And you shall command the children of Yashrael that they bring you pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. Maybe that makes a little more sense now. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Uh, chapter 28. And take unto you Aharon your brother and his sons with him from among the children of Yashrael, that he, he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aharon, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, Ithamar, Aharon's sons. And ye shall make holy garments for Aharon your brother, for glory and for beauty. And ye shall speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the Ruach Chokmah, the spirit of wisdom that they may make Aharon's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister to me in the priest's office. So uh, the garments are quite quite dazzling. Um, oh, high priest. Um, I don't know why that was. That's There we go. <laughs> that was some crazy uh, search term there. So I don't know about you. Uh, you I think this is a, a gorgeous attire. Um you know, there's different renderings of what exactly it might look like. This is a little more simple, I think. Uh, some really dazzling ones out there. But regardless, it said it was for a beauty. And uh, I think uh, it probably looked pretty snazzy. Here's a good shot. This is a good one. I like this. I like that deep blue. I don't like his hand signal. Let's get off of that one. Oh, there it is again. What am I doing? Anyways, so just an idea of what it looked like. Most of you probably already seen it anyways, but... <clears throat> And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, and an ephod, and a robe, an embroidered coat, a turban, and a belt. And they shall make holy garments for Haron your brother and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And they shall take the gold, the blue, and the purple, and scarlet, and fine linen. And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue, and of purple, and scarlet, and fine twine linen, with cunning work. It shall have the two shoulder pieces thereof joined at the two edges thereof, and so it shall be joined together. And the belt of the ephod, which is upon it, shall be of the same, according to the work thereof, even of gold, of blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine twined linen. And ye shall take two onyx stones, and engrave, them, engrave on them the names of the children of Yashrael, six of their names on one stone, and six of the names on the rest of the other stone, according to their birth. With the work of an engraver in stone, like the engravings of a signet, you shall engrave the two stones with the names of the children of Yashrael. You shall make them to be set in ouches of gold. 
And you shall put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod for stones of a memorial unto the children of Yashrael. And Aharon shall bear their names before Yahuwah upon his two shoulders for a memorial. And certainly this is what the high priest did. And what a excellent uh, foreshadow of what Messiah Husha, now our eternal high priest uh, and king, is, is doing for us. Of course, he's bearing us before the Most High. And you shall make ouches of gold, and two chains of pure gold at the ends of wreathen work shall you make them, and fasten the wreathen chains of the ouches. And you shall make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work, after the work of the ephod you shall make it, of gold, of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet, and of fine twined linen shall you make it. Four square it shall be being doubled, a span shall be the length thereof, and a span shall be the breadth thereof, and you shall set in it settings of stones, even four rows of stones. The first row shall be sardius. Now, for those of you that know Revelation uh, 21 and the uh, foundation stones, you'll see some pretty interesting uh, um, commonalities. You should, you'll see the same stones. <laughs> How about that? Never said I was a smart guy. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz, and a carbuncle. This shall be the first row. The second row shall be an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond, although I don't think they I don't think this is actually uh, the stone here. I think it was poorly translated. We'll get to that in a little, little bit. In the third row, a ligure, an agate, and an amethyst. In the fourth row, a beryl, and an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold in their enclosings. And the stones shall be with the names of the children of Yashrael, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet. Everyone with his name shall they be according to the twelve tribes. Let's, um, here, I'll show you the, yeah, Yahalom, and it says, a precious stone known for its hardness. It says, perhaps the jasper, onyx, or diamond. It's like they, they really don't know. Uh, it says a precious stone, right? Probably onyx or diamond. Um, so they don't really know exactly, and and that's really this is the only this is the only stone that you really caused me to question. Be like, well, no, it's not the foundation stones of New Jerusalem because New Jerusalem doesn't have a, a diamond. But then again, uh, because you know this is not a, a perfect translation, uh, it doesn't work. And not only that, uh, let's look. So in the Septuagint, this is the gemstones: sardius, topaz, emerald, carbuncle, sapphire, jasper. Ligure, agate, amethyst, chrysolite, beryl, onyx. And now let's read the Targums. Um, I'll show you. Uh, here we go. Um, and thou shalt fill it with the fullness of precious stones, four rows of precious gems, answering to the four regions of the world. The first row, carnelian, topaz, carbuncle. And on them shall be engraven and expressed the names of the tribes. Reuben, Shimeon, Levi. And the name of the second row, Smarag, Smaragd. This is supposedly, uh, I had to look that up, Smar, Smaragd. That's um, emerald. Sapphire and Chalcedony. And upon them shall be engraven and expressed the names of the three tribes, Yehuda, Dan, and Naphtali. And the name of the third row, Ligur, and Agate, and Amethyst. And upon them shall be written and expressed the names of the three tribes, Gad and Asher and Issachar. And the name of the fourth row, Chrysolite, Onyx, and Jasper. And upon them shall be written and expressed the names of the three tribes, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin. So um, what's really interesting is 
When you go to Revelation, you get Jasper, Sapphire, Chalcedony, Emerald, Sardonyx, Sardius, Chrysolite, Beryl, Topaz, Chrysoprase, Jacinth, and Amethyst. And the only one that we don't see uh, is Chrysoprase, uh, based off of these three different uh, sources. And so I, I'm, I'm wondering if the diamonds should really be Chrysoprase, because otherwise it all lines up uh, to what, what's listed in, the, in Revelation. Uh, and if you're not familiar, Revelation 21, let's just look it up real quick. Revelation 21. Um, yeah, here we go. And the foundations of the wall, this is of New Jerusalem, a city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, sapphire, chalcedony, emerald, sardonyx, sardius, chrysolite, beryl, topaz, chrysoprasus, jacinth, amethyst. Almost a near match. Again, Chrysoprasus really is the only one. And so I have to imagine it's either something in the Greek that's a little different or something in the Hebrew that's a little different. Or the difference between the Hebrew and the Greek, there's just something not not matching there. But otherwise, all the other gems match. And so it leads me to believe that uh, we do have something to, to look at here. Uh, and I want to play a little video for you. If you've seen the recent documentary or... If you were with us in the Revelation Line by Line series, you've seen it. But hey, I could honestly watch this video over and over. It is absolutely amazing to me. Um, and I look forward to sharing it with you. Give me just a moment. New Jerusalem, it said, is built, made up of 12 precious stones that we would make into jewelry now. Now here's the fascinating thing which to me is the final proof that that book is the Word of God, that it must be God-inspired. In the last generation only, we've discovered how to make purer light than we had before. Most light is bouncing around, waves crashing into each other, going in all directions, so that the light coming from that spotlight still lights this side of my face by reflecting off that, that tinsel up there. Um, we used to light coming at us from all directions, but we've now discovered how to send light in one direction. Laser light is the most common. You've seen laser light beams straight as a die. But we've also got what we call cross-polarized light. A polarized filter, if you can imagine, allows lights through like that. But if you put another polarized filter at right angles to that, you've really got a very fine filter. If you take sunglasses and take one lens and put it at right angles to the other, it goes even darker. It only lets very straight light through. Now, people have taken jewels and precious stones and cut a very thin slice for microscopic purposes and then shone cross-polarized light through them to see what happens, to put it very crudely, what happens to these precious stones in pure light. And one of two entirely different things happens with every jewel. The technical term, to give you a bit of science for a moment, is anisotropic jewels and isotropic jewels. Now what happens is this, 
some jewels in pure light whatever their color to begin with they may be red blue or green turn into all the colors of the rainbow and the most fantastic patterns other precious stones in pure light lose all their color just go black look like a lump of coal dust and it's only in the last this generation that people have discovered this unusual property for example diamonds in pure light are nothing did you get that ladies they're not did even that diamonds nothing. nothing they won't be there <laughs> no so make the most of them here <coughs> rubies uh, garnets just lose everything emeralds no they keep it oh, good. there are other stones that are anisotropic and go into these beautiful colors now here's the fascinating thing the 12 precious stones that God uses to build the new Jerusalem are all anisotropic in pure light they are all far more beautiful and God doesn't touch the diamonds or the rubies he doesn't build with them now let's just put on the screen a picture of these stones yeah. look at the top 12 stones on this picture and you'll see the stones of the New Jerusalem look at the four bottom ones at the bottom of the picture and you'll see they're black no attraction whatever now then who knew this 2,000 years ago no scientist knew it nobody knew it John the Apostle writing the, down the book of Revelation as the Lord dictated it to him he didn't know nobody knew except one person in the entire universe and he knew and that was God himself where is that written exactly Revelation 21 right halfway through and you'll find all the 12 stones listed there and you can just imagine from the picture we've seen on the screen how beautiful the new Jerusalem is going to be no need for do-it-yourself decoration or changing rooms there no need the materials that God uses will be fabulous from verse 19 21 right. verse 19 read them out uh, the first foundation was Jasper yeah the, uh, the the second sapphire the third chalcedony the fourth emerald the fifth sardonyx the sixth uh, carnelian the seventh chrysolite the eighth burial the ninth topaz the tenth chrysoprase or chrysoprase, chrysoprase the eleventh jacinth and the twelve at uh, the twelfth amethyst no diamonds no rubies no garnets because they're and they're isotropic mm. now isn't that amazing to me that one thing alone would prove that the Bible was inspired by God because nobody could have known this they didn't know it until our generation man I could watch that over and over <laughs> just that gives you the yummy yummies that gives you there's just the good good feelings inside um so yeah you know in, in seeing that you know it puts a whole new perspective on letting your light so shine right uh, before men and truly something to really take heed to first Peter 2 5 you also as lively stones living stones are built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to Elohim by Messiah Yahusha so 
the children of Israel. And so, the, so each of those stones, right? Each of these stones, and the stones will shall be the names of the children of Yisrael. So the stones represented his people, and his people will literally be part of the the building of um, New Jerusalem. Pretty cool stuff. I don't know. That's just the kind of stuff that just gives me the really good feelings. But anyways, uh, enough enough feely stuff. So uh, let's keep going. And you shall make upon the breastplate chains at the ends of wreathing work of pure gold. And you shall make upon the breastplate two rings of gold and shall put the two rings on the two ends of the breastplate. And you shall put the two wreathen chains in gold of the two rings which are on the ends of the breastplate. And the other two ends of the two wreathen chains, you shall fasten the two ouches and put them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod before it. And you shall make two rings of gold. And you shall put them upon the two ends of the breastplate in the border thereof, which is in the side of the ephod inward. And two other rings of gold you shall make, and you shall put them on the two sides of the ephod underneath toward the forepart thereof, over against the other coupling thereof, above the belt of the ephod. And they shall bind the breastplate by the rings thereof unto the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue, that it may be above the belt of the ephod, and that the breastplate be not loosed from the ephod. And Aaron, Aharon, shall bear the names of the children of Yashrael in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart when he goes unto the holy place for a memorial before Yahweh continually. And truly, that's, you know, again, Messiah Husha became our eternal high priest forever after he offered up himself. Uh, and then, of course, um, you know, came before Yahuwah for you know on our on our behalf for, for, for our behalf, uh, and that's what he's done. He's he's bearing our names, the children of Yisrael, um, upon his heart when he goes unto the holy place uh, before Yahuwah continually. And you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the urim and the tumim, and they shall be upon Aharon's heart when he goes in before Yahuwah. And Aharon shall bear the judgment of the children of Yashrael upon his heart before Yahuwah continually. And you shall make the robe of the ephod of all blue, and there shall be a hole in the top of it, in the midst thereof. It shall have a binding of a woven work round about the hole of it, as it were the hole of a habergen, that it may not be rent." And beneath the hem of it you shall make a pomegranate of blue and of purple and of scarlet round about the hem thereof, and a bells of golden between them round about, a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate, upon the hem of the robe round about. And the Targum says that there was a total of 71 uh, round, the, round the robe. And it shall be upon Aharon to minister, and his sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before Yahuwah, and when he comes out, that he die not. And he shall make a plate of pure gold, engrave upon it, like the engravings of a signet, Kodesh Yahuwah, holiness unto Yahuwah. And he shall put it on a blue lace, that it may be upon the turban, and upon the forefront of the turban it shall be. I gotta tell you, based off of the last couple of weeks of the of the portions, I think the Most High's favorite color is blue. I with everything that he's ordained to be blue, everything from the from the 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 blue sapphire uh, the tablets, the uh, supposedly the the rod that Moshe got was a sapphire stick. Um, the firmament supposedly is sapphire itself, uh, which reflects, and of course, it makes the, the water blue and the sky blue. Uh, his throne has a, a base of sapphire in it. Um, 
the holy the high priest is is adorned in, in blue and if he go if he's going before Yahweh, guess what he's probably wearing Yahweh's favorite color <laughs> or favorite colors just a guess i can't speak for him of course um uh, but with all the evidence at hand if i were in a court of law and someone were to ask me what Yahweh's favorite color would be well based off the evidence i would have to say i think it's blue but i don't know and it shall be upon Aharon's forehead that Aharon may bear the iniquity of the holy things, which the children of Yashrael shall hollow in all their holy gifts. And it shall be always upon his forehead that they may be accepted before Yahuwah. And let me add that uh, blue is also my favorite color. Uh, you see the, the my mouse, my water, I, which are near me every day. <laughs> blue is my favorite color too. I like red, blue and red, you know. Uh, but when you get blue and red together, it's not a good thing right now. I'm just kidding. Um... Just kidding. <clears throat> and it shall be upon Aharon's forehead that Aharon may bear the iniquity of the holy things, which the children of Yashrael shall hollow in all their holy gifts. And it shall be always upon his forehead that they may be accepted before Yahuwah. And you shall embroider the coat of fine linen, and you shall make the turban of fine linen, and you shall make the belt of needlework. And for Aharon's sons you shall make coats, and you shall make for them belts, and bonnets you shall make for them, for glory and for beauty. And ye shall put them upon Aharon your brother, and his sons with him, and shall anoint them, and consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they minister may minister unto me in the priest's office. You shall make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness, from the loins even unto the thighs they shall reach. And they shall be upon Aharon and upon his sons when they come in unto the tabernacle of the assembly, or when they come near unto the altar to minister in the holy place, that they bear not iniquity and die. It shall be a statute forever unto him and his seed after him. So here we got these awesome robes. And, you know, when we think of the whole armor of Yah, what do we think of? We think of like a, a soldier with like, you know, all this armor. I don't know. I, I, I look at this. Uh, I look at the priest garments and I think of uh, the true armor of the Most High. Let's go to the book of Wisdom 5, 15 through 23. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, 515, yeah, 515 through 23. This is the Book of Wisdom. It's also called the Wisdom of Solomon. This was in the Apocrypha in the 1611 KJV. But the righteous live forever, and their reward is with Yahuwah. The Most High takes care of them. Therefore, they will receive a glorious crown and a beautiful diadem from the hand of Yahuwah, which Aharon got. Because with his right hand he will cover them, and with his arm he will shield them. Yahuwah will take his zeal as his whole armor, and will arm all creation to repel his enemies, and will put on righteousness as a breastplate, just like the high priest had, and wear impartial justice as a helmet. He will take holiness as an invincible shield, and sharpen stern wrath for a, of a sword, and creation will join with him to fight against the madmen. Shafts of lightning will fly with true aim, and will leap to the target as from a well-drawn blow of clouds, and hailstones full of wrath will be hurled as from, catapult, as from a catapult. The water of the sea will rage against them, and the rivers will relentlessly overwhelm them. A mighty wind will rise against them, and like a tempest it will winnow them away. Lawlessness will lay waste the whole earth and evil doing will overturn the thrones of rulers so this is the first mention of the armor putting on the armor of, of yah and uh, when i think of the uh, priest's vestments i think of the armor of yah i don't think of the you know the metal i just don't consecration of the priests, chapter 29 
And this is the thing that you shall do unto them to hallow them, to minister unto me in the priest's office. Take one young bullock and two rams without blemish, and matzah, and matzah cakes tempered with oil, and matzah wafers anointed with oil of wheat and flour shall you make them. And you shall put them into one basket and bring them in the basket with the bullock and the two rams. And Aharon and his sons you shall bring into the door of the tabernacle of the assembly and shall wash them with water. And you shall take the garments and put upon Aharon the coat and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastplate and gird him with the belt of the ephod. And you shall put the turban upon his head and put the holy crown upon the turban. Then you shall take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. And you shall bring his sons and put coats upon them. And you shall gird them with belts, Aharon and his sons, and put the bonnets on them. And the priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual statute, and you shall consecrate Aharon and his sons. And you shall cause a bullock to be brought before the tabernacle of the assembly. And Aharon and his sons shall put their hands upon the head of the bullock. And you shall kill the bullock before Yahuwah by the door of the tabernacle of the assembly. And you shall take of the blood of the bullock and put it upon the horns of the altar with your finger, and pour all the blood beside the bottom of the altar. And you shall take all the fat that covers the inwards, and the caul that is above the liver, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, and burn them upon the altar. But the flesh of the bullock, and his skin, and his dung, you shall burn with fire without the camp. It is a sin offering. You shall also take one ram, and Aharon and his son shall put their hands upon the head of the ram, and you shall slay the ram, and you shall take his blood, and sprinkle it round about upon the altar. And you shall cut the ram in pieces, and wash the inwards of him and his legs, and put them into his pieces and unto his head. And you shall burn the whole ram upon the altar. It is a burnt offering unto Yahuwah. It is a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. And you shall take the other ram, and Aharon and his sons shall put their hands upon the head of the ram. Then shall you kill the ram, and take of his blood, and put it upon the tip of the right ear of Aharon, and upon the tip of the right ear of his sons, and upon the thumb of their right hand, and upon the great toe of the right foot, and sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. And there's something about the right side. Uh, you know, I think of uh, Messiah Husha separating the sheep and the goats. He puts the sh you know the sheep, the righteous, on the right hand, and the goats on the on the left hand. And uh, you look at uh, I mean Messiah Yahusha. I mean one of his titles is he is the 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 right hand. He's seated at the right hand of the Most High, and he is the arm, uh, the the right arm of Yahuwah. Um, and uh, you know predominantly, I don't know what the percentages are. Maybe eighty, ninety percent of people are right-handed. Uh, not to say that there's something wrong with left-handed people. Not at all. Um, uh, it's just you know it's just um, there's just something about the right side. Um, you know. Um, and so anyway, so you see here that Aharon, uh, the the blood is on the right ear, on the right thumb, and the right toe, right? It just symbolizes power, strength. Um, and you shall take of the blood as upon the altar and of the anointing oil and sprinkle upon Aharon and upon his garments and upon his sons and upon the garments of his sons with him. And he shall be hallowed and his garments and his sons and his sons' garments with him. Also, you shall take of the ram of the fat and the rump, the fat that covers the inwards, and the call above the liver, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, and the right shoulder, for it is a ram of consecration, and one loaf of bread, and one cake of oiled bread, and one wafer out of the basket of the matzah that is before Yahuwah, and you shall put all in the put it all in the hands of Aharon and in the hands of his son, sons, and shall wave them for a wave offering before Yahuwah. And you shall receive them of their hands and burn them upon the altar for a burnt offering, for a sweet savor before Yahuwah. It is an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. 
And you shall take the breast of the ram of Aharon's consecration and wave it for a wave offering before Yahuwah, and it shall be your part. And you shall sanctify the breast of the wave offering and the shoulder of the heave offering which is waved, which is heaved up of the ram of the consecration, even of that which is for Aharon and of that which is for his sons. And it shall be Aharon and his sons by a statute forever from the children of Yashrael, for it is a heave offering, and it shall be a heave offering from the children of Yashrael of the sacrifice of their peace offerings, even their heave offering unto Yahuwah. And the holy garments of Aharon shall be his sons after him to be anointed therein, to be consecrated in them. And that this and that son I'm sorry, and that son that is priest in his stead shall put on them seven days, when he comes in the tabernacle of the assembly to minister in the holy place. And he shall take the ram of the consecration and seed his flesh in the holy place. And Aharon and his sons shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket by the door of the tabernacle of the assembly. They shall eat those things wherewith the atonement was made to consecrate and to sanctify them, but a stranger shall not eat thereof, because they are holy. And if out of the flesh of the consecrations or of the bread remain unto the morning, then he shall burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten, because it is holy. And, you know, this is just uh, just like the Passover. You know, it um, it's not to remain of the morning. And, you know, that's it was truly, it was a foreshadow of Messiah Husha because he was buried but nothing of him remained in the morning because uh, his his body was gone, right? It, you know, his, he said, he is not here for he is risen. And, you know, it says that um, the, a stranger, right? So an unbeliever shall not eat thereof because they are holy. And, you know, it reminds me of a Messiah who says those really interesting words where it says, you know, he that eats not my flesh, you know, is not worthy of me. Or, or you know, he, he who doesn't eat my flesh or drink my blood, right? Um, he shall have everlasting life. And you're like, you're like, what? And so um, it's something to think about when we're looking at, you know, these sacrifices and, and uh, you know, he sacrificed himself for us and we're to, to consume of him, uh, not like literally eat his like, you know, flesh, but uh, eat of him in, in, uh, in the way of, um, you know, taking him in, his doctrine, everything he did, uh, believing in him. That's just part of part of eating him i guess you could say in a in a interesting way as <laughs> a really interesting words to choose but um you know we can kind of see that here a little bit in these sacrifices and thus shall and thus shall you do unto Aharon and to his sons according to all things which i have commanded you seven days shall you consecrate them and you shall offer every day a bullock for a sin offering for atonement and you shall cleanse the altar when you have made an atonement for it and you shall anoint it to sanctify it Seven days you shall make an atonement for the altar and sanctify it. It shall be an altar most holy. Whatsoever touches the altar shall be holy. Now this is that which you shall offer upon the altar, two lambs of the first year day by day continually. The one lamb you shall offer in the morning and the other lamb you shall offer at evening. And with the one lamb, the tenth deal of flour mingled with the fourth part of a hin of beaten oil and the fourth part of a hin of wine for a drink offering. And the other lamb you shall offer at evening, and shall do thereto according to the meat offering in the morning, and according to the drink offering thereof, for a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the assembly before Yahuwah, where I will meet you, meet you and speak there unto you. And there will I meet with the children of Yashrael, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the assembly and the altar, and I will sanctify also both Aharon and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. And I will dwell among the children of Yashrael, and will be their Elohim. 
and they shall know that I am Yahweh Elohim that brought them forth out of the land of Mitzrayim, that I may dwell among them. I am Yahuwah. And uh, just one little interesting note here in the Targums. Um, let's see here. Where are you? Here we go. Uh, At the door of the tabernacle of the ordinance before Yahuwah, where I will appoint my word to meet you there, to speak with you there, and I will appoint my word to meet with the sons of Israel, and I will be sanctified in their rulers for my glory. Right? So, again, you know, in I'm still in the testing phases of the Targums, but they've really pro proved to be an absolute blessing, and the biggest thing that I've gleaned from them is Messiah. You see Messiah a lot more clearly in here. Um, the, the term, the word of the Lord, or the word of Yahuwah, um, you know, is in the in the Targums over 200 times uh, in the Torah um, and in the, the Masoretic, the KJV, 11 times. So they did something with it. And let me tell you something. Uh, in my opinion, there's no way rabbis would add the term, the word of the Lord, to their text after uh, they heard about, they heard about and rejected this Messiah, this Yahusha, uh, who was... It was going around that he was the word of Elohim, uh, the word of the Most High. So there's no way they'd be like, okay, let's let's start, let's put the word of, of Yahuwah all over the scriptures and, and just add it in there. It just it just that doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. It wouldn't happen that way. Um, so it really leads me to believe that the Targums are an older older translation. And uh, you know, for the most part, you know, at least recently, I haven't been reading a whole lot of it to you because it's been kind of just paralleling and it's just it's the same the same things and that's, that's why i've just a few passages here and there i'll just mention because otherwise everything else is the same so no need to read the same thing twice so all right let's finish up uh chapter uh verse we're gonna read up to verse 10 in chapter 30 here and we will conclude this torah portion so and you shall make an altar to burn incense upon of shittim wood shall you make it a cubit shall be the length thereof and a cubit the breadth thereof four square shall it be and two cubits shall be the height thereof and the horns thereof shall be of the same and you shall overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof, and the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof, and you shall make it unto a crown of gold round about. Two golden rings shall you make to it under the crown, a crown of it by the two corners thereof. Upon the two sides of it shall you make it, and they shall be for places for the staves to bear it withal. And you shall make the staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold. And you shall put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with you, or, again, where I will appoint my word to meet with you. Now Haron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning when he dresses the lamps, and he shall burn incense upon it. And when Haron lights the lamps at evening, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before Yahuwah throughout your generations. You shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall you pour drink offering thereon. And Aharon shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. And that's, we'll get into that in Leviticus uh, 16, the day of atonement. Once in the year he shall make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto Yahuwah. So with that, that ends the uh, the study tonight. Although actually, I wanted to end with Psalm 50 from the Targums, and um, 
it actually deals with sacrifices and whatnot. And that's something that, you know, I really want to uh, focus on this year as we uh, continue to talk about sacrifices. You know, here in a few weeks we'll be in Leviticus, and basically almost the whole book is about sacrifices. And you're like, okay, well, uh, we don't do sacrifices now, so what do we do? Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we can glean from that um, and how we can position our lives. And we'll talk more about it when we come across it, but like, you know, when when they had the morning and evening sacrifice, you know, well, why can't we have a morning and evening sacrifice in our spiritual manner? Should we have a prayer first thing when we get up, and should we have a prayer the last thing we do before we go to bed? Could that be a good evening sacrifice? Well, I think so. Uh, so little things like that we'll, you know, we'll talk more about as we continue because, uh, you know, it's it shouldn't be, I think there's, I think there's much to learn in, in Leviticus, even though... Um, Really, I mean, we don't do these blood offerings, you know. Messiah's, Yahushua's blood offering for sin has, has been done, you know, for all eternity now. Um, but anyways, we'll, we'll talk more about it. So, and speaking of the spiritual aspects of um, of the sacrifices and what we can do now, this is Psalm 15, the Targum, it's just amazing. Um, let me read it for you. I read this last night to, to finish up this, the live stream I did with Brother Zen Garcia. Psalm 50, a hymn composed by Asaph. Mighty is Elohim. Yahweh spoke of the creation, a song, and he carved out the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. The perfection and the beginning of the eternal creation is from Zion, and from there its beauty is complete. Elohim will be revealed. The righteous will say on the great day of judgment, Our Elohim will come, and he will not neglect to vindicate his people. Fire will blaze before him, and around him a storm will rage mightily. He will call to the angels of the height above and to the righteous of the earth below to extend judgment to his people. Gather to me, my pious ones, who have kept my covenant and fulfilled my Torah and have engaged in prayer, which is likened to a sacrifice. And the angels of the height will recount his righteousness, for Elohim is the judge forever. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, and I will testify to you. I am Elohim, your Elohim. I am not rebuking you on account of your sacrifices that you did not offer before me in exile, where we are now. For your holocausts that, your, that your fathers offered are in front of me always. From the day that my sanctuary was laid waste, I have not accepted a bull from your hands or rams from your flocks. For mine are all the animals of the forest, and I have prepared for the righteous in the Garden of Eden clean beasts and a wild bull who grazes every day on a thousand mountains." Manifest before me are all kinds of birds who fly in the air of heaven and the rooster whose legs rest on the earth while his head reaches to heaven rejoicing before me. If the time of the continual morning sacrifice should arrive, I would not tell you, for mine is the earth and its fullness. From the day my sanctuary was laid waste, I have not accepted the flesh of the sacrifice of fatlings and the priests have not sprinkled the blood of rams before me. Subdue the evil impulse, and it will be reckoned before Yahuwah as a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And pay to the Most High your vows, and pray in my presence in the day of trouble. I will save you, for you will glorify me. Anyways, I don't want to stop there. Uh, it gets a little different from there, but that was pretty neat, you know, especially... Um, Gather to me my pious ones who have kept my covenant and fulfilled my Torah and have engaged in prayer, which is likened to a sacrifice. Boom. That's that's everything. 
that sums it up pretty well. So uh, with that, brothers and sisters, I pray that uh, this is a blessing for you. But more, most importantly, I pray it was a blessing for the Most High that people are gathering together in these last days and wanting to learn his Torah with a zeal. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Yahuwah, we just come before you again. We thank you for the study. And we just pray that you continue to open our eyes to the wondrous matters that are written in your Torah. We bless you and thank you for Messiah Husha. We thank you for the Shabbat. We thank you for the rest. And uh, we, um, we look forward to Messiah Husha's return. Until then, please continue to refine us and strengthen us, O Yahuwah. Amen and amen. So let's, uh, let's finish with a... Um, I'm going to finish with a song, and uh, we'll see you next week, brothers and sisters. Shabbat Shalom. Feel